All right. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone. Can um, uh, so yeah, I was just um, uh, had a lot of people who were asking me questions about the um, the talk and and I guess the conference as a whole, and I thought I'd just get people together to ask questions so that it would uh, um, sort of all be in one place rather than have to uh, uh, do it sort of from here to there. So I guess, uh, have, have you guys had a chance to listen to the talk? Yeah, or at least I am. And uh, I guess the first thing I would ask, as I always do, is uh, what uh, what you thought, what you liked, what you didn't, because uh, it's the first... Um, uh, it's the first time I've spoken uh, in any real way in public, in libertarian circles. So, of course, uh, it's important that I get uh, feedback about what worked and what didn't. Uh, the only other talk I've ever given in libertarian circles is the little one I did to like a dozen people at a libertarian conference a couple of years ago um, in a small room. And it wasn't uh, the one on environmentalism. So. Oh, right. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the first... I thought it was uh, pretty clear and nice, and, and you were light and humorous, and, and I very... Uh, um, you kept them, kept their attention, I think, and kept them laughing, and, and you, you you speak very well, it was, as always. Well, thank you. It certainly was quite a high-wire act, right? Because um, I was a wireless mic guy. I was... Uh, um, uh, no no topic. Uh, not normally, the, the structure is an hour to an hour and a half, followed by, you know, 20 minutes of questions. And I just did 20 minutes or half an hour and then did audience participation, which is uh, <laughs> an exciting thing to contemplate. And uh, so that, that was, uh, uh, you know, the, the greater the challenge, the greater the, uh, the progression, I suppose. So, yeah, I just wanted to get. So was there anything, Nate, that you thought uh, would be different or better? I mean, other than some of the answers could have been slightly more uh, uh, fleshed out, but uh, the, the questions were really great, I thought. So, um, you know, when, when the answer wasn't perfect, I certainly said so. Yeah, I, I, I think you answered the questions better than I could have. But the only thing that sort of bugged me was the um, when you sort of grazed over lightly the, the non-aggression principle applying to the applying to children most of all um i don't know exactly what you said i didn't quite memorize it but but uh you seem to sort of um give some leeway i don't i don't know what um what i'm trying to say just sort of uh um Soften the blow there, I guess. In what way? In uh, as far as uh, the way they might discipline their kids, or, or like um, it, it just seems sort of. Um, you mean because I didn't come it, out to saying you know raise your voice, raise your hand in any way, shape, or form, and you're violating the non-aggression principle, and that's whatever. Do you mean something like that? Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I, I, there was no context to make that, um, to make that descriptor. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that would yeah. that would have. I mean, maybe that would be a better thing to do, but for sure that would have derailed the conversation that I was having because basically I'd be like letting off the firebomb. Of family in the middle of this other conversation. 
Right. And you, you can't just drop the bomb of spanking is a violation of the NAP uh, unless you're really willing to go to town, right? Right. And I, I wasn't expecting you to, to drop a bomb so much as not to... Uh, um, what What's the opposite of that? <laughs> uh I don't remember exactly what you said, but it sounded like... Um, well, I said that children are deserving of the protection of the NAP more than any other citizens in society. Right, you said that, and then you said the the way... You, you threw in a bunch of caveats, I guess. Okay, I, I can't. I, I mean, I think I'm sort of annoyed, and not not because it's your fault, but just because we're talking about something that neither of us can remember in any detail. So there's really not much yeah. point, right? Yeah, it's just it's the only thing that stood out for me. So I, I mean, as something that bugged me. So I'd have to listen. Yeah, to if it you could listen to it again, because because telling me I should have done something when you can't remember what it is doesn't really yeah. lead anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is kind of annoying. Um, all right, all right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And do let me know. I mean, obviously, uh, I knew that we were going right to the edge of the precipice there uh, as far as uh, family stuff went. But um, I'm certainly happy to, um, uh, to revisit what I said if I went, uh, if I backed off. I certainly do remember saying, you know, I'm not talking about minor discipline and maybe people thought that meant spanking. But uh, what I meant by that was sort of timeouts and stuff. So, um, uh, but again, uh, the audience would have taken. I, I just, for me, I wasn't, wasn't going to go into uh, a discussion right. of, uh, you know, spanking uh, or raised voice or name-calling as violations of NAP, uh, that would just be Krakatoa in that room, in my opinion, right? Because a lot of the people there um, would, not have, would not be very familiar with that topic at all. Gun-toting conservatives? <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to speculate uh, about their histories without knowing them in any detail, but, uh, you know, in any group, that is a, a highly controversial place to uh, to start uh, talking from. Right. Yeah, that's what I figured that you would go off the precipice. Um, I was expecting you to drop the family bomb, but uh, I didn't know that you could go, you know, just uh, that, to the edge there. Uh, so I was wondering how you felt about just going to the edge of the precipice and not going, you know, to the ultimate, uh, you know, uh, incarnation of your philosophy. Oh, I felt good. I felt good about that. But tell me how you felt. Well, I felt kind of cheated, but um, um, in terms of public speaking, you probably could read the audience better than I could. Um, actually, I thought they would not take kindly to the family bomb either and wondered how you were going to handle that. And it looks like you did. Well, I mean, I certainly did say that, uh, um, you know, the NAP applies to children more so than any other members of society. And uh, I would nav have no problem with force being used against uh, parents who were abusing their children. I mean, that seems to me pretty, I mean, that was fairly unequivocal. Uh, and now, of course, I didn't define what that abuse would be and uh, did, did put caveats in for sure. Because, uh, you know, physically restraining children who are about to jump off the roof and, you know, timeouts, which may involve lifting, uh, don't particularly strike me as violations of the NAP. Uh, but that's a really a gray area. And I would not go into a crowd where that would almost doubtlessly bring great hostility without a good deal more uh, preparation, if that makes sense. 
I agree. Well, yeah, I don't think uh, even an audience exists in the world. <laughs> it, it, it could, could be, and, and and maybe that, you know that wasn't. And uh, of course, I didn't bring it up. Uh, it was it came out of a question specifically around uh, this. Uh, you know, with, what what do you do in terms of child abuse? And of course, I did refer people to podcasts and to uh, um, uh, to uh, uh, articles that I'd written in Practical Anarchy and so on. So they definitely can go there. Uh, and uh, I certainly was, I think, pretty clear about. The, the principle. But uh, yeah, I was not going to go into, uh, uh, you know, my my particular thought, and this is perhaps just a gross generalization, and I have no proof for it. So it's just my, my gut sense, uh, is that people who open carry probably did not have the gentlest of upbringings. You know, that's just my, my way of thinking. And uh, I, I, I'm, you know, when when I'm at a place where there's open carrying people openly displaying uh, weaponry, um, if if that theory has truth to it, right, that, that people who want to carry weapons in a peaceful philosophical venue, I mean, it's not like these guys were wandering down dark alleys, right, with bags of money stapled to their foreheads. Uh, these people were in a peaceful, voluntaristic uh, group of like-minded individuals and still felt the need to open carry. If the theory is true that uh, people who were, and of course the, the whole conference started off with a gathering at a firing range. And uh, again, this is just no, 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 no proof, just theory. Uh, people who are wildly into guns and like to open carry, I don't imagine had the most gentle, kind, and nurturing of upbringings. And so I was not going to go into a definition of violations of the NAP, which if that theory is true, would have struck just about anybody, everybody in the uh, audience. And uh, I think that's irresponsible uh, because... There's no context, uh, and it may cause people to get very upset and defensive uh, or angry. And uh, I just think it's, it's irresponsible. If they are interested and want to pursue the topic, there's no shortage of material. Um, but I just, I just don't think, if those are existing wounds, I just think ripping them off in a public forum like that is not, uh, not responsible. Can I uh, comment on the gun culture? Sure. Uh, I feel like I, I can speak objectively as an outsider because I was born and raised in Los Angeles and I'd never actually seen a gun until I moved to New Hampshire a year and a half ago. Uh, but I have since bought a gun, and or two of them actually, and I intend to try to start open carrying at events specifically designed for it, like the open carry litter pickup, purely for philosophical reasons and as a form of political action to accustom people to the idea that people have the right to defend themselves and that they can responsibly handle guns. So I would hesitate before characterizing anyone open carrying as being a gun nut or having a violent background, because a lot of people, for them, it's simply very much a practical manifestation of a philosophy, just like you take your philosophy seriously. So I would say that a large number of people fall into that category. They're not expecting to get attacked. They're just very, very proud of being able to practically manifest the philosophy in that way. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, and I, I have heard that uh, discussed uh, at the weekend. And I, I certainly think there is that aspect to it. I'm not sure that's everyone uh, who's involved in, in this kind of uh, culture. But I tell oh, yeah. you that yeah, there is a philosophical everyone. aspect to it that, that is important. And of course, I, I, I just found it very interesting. Certainly did not feel any, any threat or worry, but found it very interesting just to see this kind, because of course in Canada there's no such thing as open carry unless you're in costume. So, uh, so I agree with you, and that's an excellent point.
Um, also, sorry, go ahead. regarding the uh, parenting angle, the which? Oh, the parenting uh, angle. Sorry, go on. The parent, or specifically, the idea that the non-aggression principle uh, morally uh, justifies protecting small children from the actions of their own parents, uh, even if that's morally true, and it probably is, we're nowhere near. Uh, the point where that can be practiced in any practical sense. We'd have to wait until most people realize it, and then methods of doing so will start to appear. Until then, there's just you can't really do anything. Right, and I mean, if if I wanted to make the responsible case in front of a non-expert crowd or a non a crowd who have not explored family issues or psychology or self knowledge. If I wanted to make the case against corporal punishment of any kind or, or you know, raised voices or name-calling towards children, I wouldn't sort of drop it casually into the conversation. I would build the case using the science, uh, using the uh, parenting theories, using the philosophy, showing the long-term effects uh, with reference to PTSD and so on. I would build that case. Uh, I wouldn't just sort of jump, jump it out to an, uh, a non-knowledgeable crowd. Yeah, it deserves its own talk. It absolutely deserves its own talk. And uh, it's sort of like going to a Republican convention and saying, I like anarchy. Uh, all it's going to do is freak people out and, and have them not take you seriously, uh, as opposed to going, uh, getting the talk, time, building the case, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone else who's uh, listened to the talk who had uh, feedback or, or things they liked or didn't? Well, you mentioned this call started because a lot of people were asking questions and you wanted to <clears throat> make that happen efficiently. Yes. So who had what questions? Well, the question was just, you know, what was it like? Uh, and I just, But I just wanted to get the stuff, the feedback from the speech uh, first because that's that's always important to me from, you know, because, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not the community, but uh, this was the first time that uh, I've given a, a, spe- a speech like this and I, in a, a small way, do represent uh, the community, of course, right? So I just wanted to get feedback as far as that goes. I mean, if people don't have feedback, that's that's fine. We can go on to the general, if anybody had any general questions, uh, or I could just sort of go through the questions that people had. Well, another question. Your, uh... oh, um, yeah, uh, did you uh, tailor the answers to fit the people who were asking them? At one point, a young man asked you or, or gave you a argument that uh, you are in in favor of anarchy, anarchy will kill people, therefore I should shoot you, and you gave him like a softball answer and wondered if it was because he was such a young guy. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the answer that, just for those who haven't heard, the answer that I gave him was if somebody was playing that devil's advocate position or if somebody actually had that position, I would just ask that person to define anarchy and, and, you know, explain it to me like I'm three years old, because for those who have knowledge of these principles, uh, quite the opposite is true, right? That statism is peace and, and, and anarchy is violence. Quite the opposite is true. And so I would just get that. That was the answer that I gave. Um, what to you would have been a more hardcore answer? Well, the answer you gave was more along the lines of advice. You said that you should ask questions of the person who's got that, uh, who's using that argument. And I don't know. Well, it was a tough one. I couldn't think of an answer either until a couple hours later. But uh, well, what was still, that's good. What was know. the answer that you thought of a couple hours later? <laughs> it was uh, um, the 
that uh, I would lead them along the lines that, well, you believe ideas are important. So that then the more ideas should be, you know, out there so that one idea doesn't get, you know, um, taken to extremes. And uh, that if, I don't know, along that lines, that ideas are important, therefore there should be a free market for them. Okay. Instead of statism, which, uh, you know, only forces everyone down one path, down one idea. Oh, right, right. So sort of competing solutions kind of thing. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, so good. That's a good answer, for sure. I think somebody else started talking just a little earlier. I don't know if you had more comments or questions or feedback. Well, I was just going to ask if you could go over what your, if you could compare and contrast your feeling of the crowd um, during the conference as a whole versus your feeling of the crowd um, on the last day when you gave your presentation, the, the crowd at the, at, the, uh, at the presentation itself, how, how you kind of felt about it, what, uh, what your sort of impressions were of them. Well, I, um, I, thought they, um, I thought they were a great group to give a speech to. I don't think it would have been as great a group to give a speech to if I hadn't given them more of a chance for the back and forward. Um, I thought that they were really engaged. I thought that they were really intelligent questions, uh, very challenging questions. No, I mean, nothing was a softball or nothing was a soft lob. Um, it, you know, when you are, you know, the tiny two-bit celebrity that I am in this sort of arena, it's a little tough to have more relaxed conversations because people are, you know, they either don't know you, in which case you can, but uh, or they do, in which case it's more about, them talking to someone that they already know as opposed to me not. So um, I certainly did really enjoy the uh, energy in the room during the talk that I was giving. And uh, I thought that, uh, I mean, I certainly think that the audience enjoyed it the most of, of the talks that, that I was at least part of. So I would say that um, I found them more engaging as a group than I did individually, if that makes sense. That's interesting. Can you go into that a little more? No, I don't think I can. Because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to put it in any more detail. Okay. You felt, you felt more um, I, I had, I had Let me put it this way. I had, I had better conversations while giving the speech with people about ideas than I did with individuals at the conference. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, I think, Greg, you were there when one woman was talking about her career as a celebrity helper. Yeah. And her desire for kids and so on, and none of which was particularly bad to hear, but what I felt, what I sort of experienced was that I did not get any really philosophical ideas going there was there was general chit chat outside of the speech that I gave, and then within the speech we got really going into some deep ideas. But I did not find that, and I'm not this is no blame. It's just an observation. I did not find that I was able to get any kind of deep conversations or meaningful conversations going outside of the speech. But when I gave the speech, I, I thought that it was a real meeting of minds. If that made sense. 
Yeah, that squares with my experience as well. I mean, for the most part, the conversations could have been with it could have been conversations with anyone as opposed to libertarians or anti-state people or whatever. Right. I I thought because I've not been to one of these. Sorry, but because I've not been to one of these things before, I thought that there would be more. You know, this approach was good. What do you think of this? Here's you know, but a lot of it was. was just conversations you'd have with just about anyone, if that makes sense. And that, I mean, that could be entirely my fault, but that's just sort of what I noticed. Generic socializing. Yeah, generic socializing. And, um, uh, but, but then with... Which isn't necessarily bad, but still. Well, I, I, I think it is, myself. I mean, I think if you're going to go to a conference with like-minded people, then you should talk about the ideas that are the most important to you. I think it's almost like everyone has this habit of pretending they're not a libertarian or something like that. And then they get together with a bunch of other libertarians and talk about everything but. And I, I thought that was uh, a, a bit of a missed opportunity uh, for people. But um, again, that that could just be me. I think that's a good point. That, that does happen a lot. Yes. Yeah, everyone's almost afraid to bring up what they really care about, maybe because they're so used to it being taboo or ignored or making other people uncomfortable or whatever, but I thought that'd be sort of more, uh, you know, not, not exactly table-pounding, eye-locked, intense conversations, um, or conversations about, you know, it's like going to a philosophy conference and hearing everyone talk about their vacation. It just seems like not quite right. right. Kind of thing going, I go to the, the atheist meetups in Houston, and um, you would think when atheists meet up, they would they would talk about religion or something. Um, but I, I find that often I, I I end up being the guy that gets things going, or or um, I they, they there's some kind of hesitation or, or or carefulness about around the subject of religion, and you can tell that 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 that. Just based on a lot of their stories, they've they've got like parents who are religious, and they were raised fundamentalist religion, and and they're sort of still behaving as if they're around their families, which they probably are. So, um, yeah, it's it's like um, everybody's scared to talk about it, even with like-minded people. Yeah, it's like a model railroading convention. Don't bring your trains. Don't talk about trains. It's like, but but. <laughs> It's a model, right? And it could be just that everyone's waiting for everyone else to take the first step. I don't know, but uh, uh, that is even even when I found that I did talk about some principles, I just found people. I mean, I'd get some polite nods or whatever, but it wouldn't be hugely different from being in a general social setting. Um, well, well, actually, oh, uh, actually, I ahead. had the opposite experience at the one libertarian meetup I, I went to. It was such a relief to be around people where you don't have to explain everything but uh, you can actually talk about issues or you can can cover this topic it's I, I found it very pleasant but it's it's an interesting um, observation I think might you be spoiled by the tight focus of free domain radios community or tight focus in what way uh, well I mean uh, Free Domain Radio has uh, a very tight focus by the fact that it's your site, so it's sort of um, 
It's it's completely affected by by your personality and by also your mission statement. In that, it, uh, it, all the philosophy starts from first principles. There's a lot of background material that everyone on the board is familiar with. So the topics tend to be uh, very focused on philosophy. There's a common uh, um, wealth of material that everyone refers to and and uh, argues over. Versus uh, this libertarian conference, you've got. People from all over the spectrum, uh, you know, probably everyone's read at least one book that no one else has heard of. Um, you know, some people are religious, some are atheists, some are there for the social, some are there for the intellectual. So it's not as it's not as rigorous and it's not as tightly focused as uh, Freedom Main Radio. And you spend most of your time in Freedom Main Radio, so maybe you're spoiled <laughs> in a good way. You know, it could be. I, I think that we're probably a lot less focused than people in the New State Project, you know, who, who kind of have a particular, when we, we do art, psychology, uh, history, war, you know, philosophy, economics. So we have a pretty wide focus at FDR. But I mean, and, and you, you could be right, of course, but the, the test for that for me was I would sit down um, with a group of people and just listen, right? And of course, if I'm just listening, then people should be, I mean, if I'm not influencing the conversation by saying, hi, I'm Steph from Freedom Main Radio, blah, blah, blah. Um, then they they should be to test that theory. They should then be talking about the the issues that they've come there for. But I didn't find that to be the case. Uh, even when I would just sit and listen. So again, you could be right, but that's just what I what I noticed. Uh, my own experience kind of corroborates that. Um, I I had actually I did, it didn't occur to me that it was more universal phenomena, but. I was actually trying to engage the people that I sat with, like on Thursday especially, um, and, and try to talk to them about, you know, FDR and, and how much they might know about you or anarchism in general. And, and people were very much with the the one-word answers, uh, kind of glancing around the room, kind of, you know, sort of not really engaged. Um, and And the one time they did was when they got into an argument over when this one group got into an argument over who who was better, uh, George Washington or Cornwallis as a general. And at that point, I started looking around the room. Right, right. Um, I, I could imagine that it's it's a, sometimes a matter that you're so used to being attacked that you're kind of fixed in your position. And it's very uncommon to be attacked from basically the other side. So... You don't really know how to deal with that, maybe. I think. I mean, I think you're right. I think that there's not a lot of habits of people being able to just comfortably talk because, you know, we're all pretty battle-scarred from dealing with the general population. So I, I think that's, I mean, and the reason that I wanted to note that for my, <clears throat> excuse me, for myself, <clears throat> is that I thought, gosh, if we ever do one of these for FDR, that would be something which I'd like to address sort of at the beginning. Oh, I um, thought it was brilliant that the way you uh, used uh, uh, audience participation to uh, fill up the uh, art, art, you know, to get people more engaged into in the subject and have them think of their own uh, arguments. That was uh, really great. I don't think any other speakers came, came close to that. Yeah, I think so. And I think, well, you know, it's easy to sit and listen and say, well, that argument makes sense. But then when you try to apply it, it can be tougher. And, of course, people did come up with situations where it would have been tough to apply that argument in the way that I had stated it. So, uh, you know, kudos to the, the audience. It was just fantastic as, as far as that went. How, how does this compare to this 
this situation compared to like the FDR barbecue and and stuff like that. In what way? Like the say the the last one, the last barbecue we had. You mean in terms of talking about real issues? Yeah, oh, I think people. I think people talked about real issues. I think it was a good mix at the barbecue. People talking about real issues, and uh, people just sort of not, uh, or, or talking about other things, or just uh, you know general chit chat. So I, I thought it was a good mix myself, but uh, I didn't feel that people were too nervous or, or disconcerted about bringing up more important issues. So there, there's no improvement for the next one? I mean, I don't like, think so, would... but, but tell me what, I mean, those who were at the last barbecue, or I guess the last two, tell me, tell me what you guys think. I mean, where I did notice that people didn't have, like, like Colleen didn't talk about stuff that she wanted to, so I tried to make sure that I did before she left, but, uh, I, I mean, but, but tell me what you guys thought about the, the mix of sort of serious and chit-chat at the barbecues. Well, I really don't think that the barbecues are a good analog to this. Um, the, the, a, a better comparison would have been the symposium, I think. Um, I think the first sorry, the first dinner at the symposium I thought was where we were sitting outside by the pool. Uh, I thought that was a really good uh, conversation full of a lot of very interesting and funny and, and relevant topics. Yeah, it's interesting because that's kind of the that's kind of what I was hoping for on Thursday night when I showed up too, but uh, really wasn't there. Why would why would you have expected that or hoped for that? Oh well, I mean, just in terms of uh, a more relaxed uh, atmosphere around uh, issue-oriented discussions, right? Because they're they're all like-minded people, right? Right. And instead, it was basically chit-chat about the travel and then people kind of just waiting around for the comedian to show up. And and at the time, I thought that it was because, um, well, because I was bringing up Stefan Molyneux and I was bringing up FDR, and that's a, you know, kind of a scary subject for people. But then, but then when I saw the reception you got, Stefan, at this at the speech itself that, that kind of created a little cognitive dissonance for me and then i started wondering well, maybe it was my maybe it was me or my approach or no it's maybe uh, it was the setting or fdr is like a slutty dirty secret for people i mean it just is i'm the other woman but it was i mean it was hugely positive and hugely relaxed at, at the at the speech, right? I mean, I, I couldn't really feel the same kind of tension I felt, for example, sitting in Mark's speech. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure, for sure. And, and why why do you think that was? Well, that's a good question. I, um, I'm not sure if it was if it was tension I was feeling from Mark or from the crowd. It seemed to me like it was from the crowd, um, but it could just have been a reflection off of Mark because when he started going over some of the stuff about rights, you know, uh, he he lost about half that crowd. Yeah, no citizens, no country, no rights. But and, and you know, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Mark, and I certainly enjoyed his speech the most of of the ones that I saw. But I don't think that you want to. 
I mean, it, it, this is going back to the spanking or discipline of children stuff, which Nate and Lauren were talking about earlier. You don't want to introduce really startling ideas to people without giving them a chance to cross-examine you, which is kind of what I was doing. I mean, you just don't. Because if you, you either build the case so laboriously that it's exhausting uh, and takes 1,500 podcasts, or you simply state it as if it's a conclusion and, and move on, which doesn't convince anyone and only alienates those that, who are bothered by it. So I think if you're going to, I mean, you know, that would be my criticism of Mark's speech that he went, you know, he had, he had 90 minutes and he went 92 minutes and then left with no chance for questions, really. Um, and uh, I think that if you are introducing really unusual ideas to people, or ideas which are going to startle or upset them, you need to give them a chance to voice their objections. Uh, I think that's just respectful to, to the listener. Right. Well, and, yeah. and he did sort of go right to the core of his own approach to this philosophy as well. And and, and you just know that that's going to cause a lot of dis, dissonance in, in, in a group like this, right? Well, there's, there's a basic right thing that the, occurs. Uh, if a speaker makes a joke and people don't laugh, right, the speaker has one of two choices, right? You can either say, well, that's not a good way to start, or, or you can say, you know, these are the jokes, people. It's time to laugh, you know, and sort of get upset with the audience in a way. And, um, I think it's sort of incumbent upon the speaker. If you're going to try for humor, you, you know, you're the seller and nobody has to buy. It, you, you, right. you were really on your feet in such a way that, um, was intimidating for me. That was, that was one experience that I had. Um, I'll wait till you see you the video. You actually get to see dance. Cross. Oh, <laughs> I just, I, I, I get this, um, feeling of intimidation when you, when you're so on your feet with the, the kinds of questions you were being that were being launched at you and and you were handling so well i just uh, um <laughs> I, like how how could i possibly take this and 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 i know you've had many more years of practice and 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 that that's probably a very large part and and um it's just that I, I, I want to do that. <laughs> right. So you feel a desire plus an anxiety, right? Like you picture yourself up there and you say, well, gosh, I'm not sure how I would. And then you experience the anxiety as if you were up there and not having the answers. Is that right? Right. 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 Um, I would be curious uh, to how, how you prepared for the speech, uh, maybe compared to the podcast or general um, compared to other, other audiences. Uh, I'm not sure if I should hand out all of these professional secrets. Uh, I didn't prepare for the speech. I jotted down five bullets of the major points I wanted to touch on. Um, I did I did mull back and forth about whether I wanted to start out with a joke or not, and I ran the jokes past Christina and Greg just to see what, what they thought, and I, I generally ran, I think, once or twice, Greg passed a couple of different intros that I was thinking of, but... Uh, other than that, I didn't. Uh, I didn't prepare. I mean, I've been doing this for years now, and I've. You you can't prepare for audience answers because I wouldn't have guessed the the questions that they would have come up with. And uh, I mean, with all the Sunday shows and the listener conversations and so on, plus the fact that I've already done the against me speech at least twice in the podcast series and on video. Um, you know, if that's not enough preparation, I don't know what is. If that makes sense. Yeah, you had 1,500 podcasts of preparation. 
Yeah, and and um, they are a lot of them are interactive podcasts, right? So and and so I didn't uh, I didn't really prepare uh, at all. Uh, I, I did, of course. Uh, and Christina reminded me just before I went in. Uh, she said, uh, you know, remember not to go too quickly. Uh, and I actually found that much easier. Uh, I actually I felt much more comfortable in front of two hundred or two hundred and fifty people than I did in front of eight or ten. I, I'm pretty much amazed about this answer. Uh, maybe because I, I do some speech training on the side uh, as trying to improve myself. But um, just uh, from from listening to the the audio recording of Greg, um, my impression was that you had a very natural interaction with with the people, and the, the amount of of fun was 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 great, and it, it felt very very natural. And uh, I'm looking forward for the video with with perfect audio quality to to see it again. Um, it's, it was pretty much amazing, I would would say. Well, thank you. I certainly appreciate that. I uh, I, w I was very pleased with the speech. In fact, I was uh, overjoyed with the speech myself. I was I was completely thrilled as I've never done anything like that before, and I thought to hit it out of the park on my first go. Uh, it, to me, in, in a, this was a very very important speech for us as a community. I, I've never done anything singularly more important to do with FDR, so uh, I think that this was a very. I mean, at least this is the way that I approached it. That this was a a crucial and critical moment for our community uh, and there was nothing more important in any one day than I'd done before even in any interactions with the media so uh, I was uh, completely uh, over the moon with, with how well it went so I uh, thank you I'm glad that other people think so too Would you be willing to do it again? Oh yeah absolutely absolutely Good because there are so many more topics I'd love to see you cover specifically for this audience Oh yeah, I mean, I could I could have done a speech on every single one of those questions, which were all great. So uh, no, I would uh, I would be very happy to do it again. Um, I think that uh, in the future I would probably bungee in for a day and bungee out rather than do four or five days, which with a baby is you know it's a a day to pack, a day to drive, you know, four days to the conference, a day to drive back, a day to unpack uh, and wash everything and and so on. It's uh, it's uh, it's a bit of an overtime investment for two hours of talking, but. No, absolutely. I would, uh, I would do it again uh, with, uh, with happiness. Excellent. Any other comments or questions or suggestions or feedback? Um, maybe the obvious one. Uh, has there been an increased interest in, in FDR after the speech, or has there been a bunch of uh, more accesses to the podcast series or some some recognizable uh, reaction? It's been about a twenty five percent bump in the number of visits to uh, to FDR. Um, there has been. Uh, I haven't checked podcast downloads. Um, everything is kind of warped by the fact that we have this hundred and eighty meg audio file being downloaded by everyone on the planet because I put it on Facebook. I also went to the New Hampshire Liberty Forum and posted it there as well. So that's making the server cables white hot at the moment. Uh, but it, So I haven't done an, an, an indication on who's started, but I definitely will do an analysis at the end of the month, looking at the beginning of the month and seeing that there was a spike, uh, I would assume, at the beginning of the podcast series as well. But uh, I mean, it's, it's certainly my hope. That I, I think it was a good enough I mean, I shouldn't say speech because it really wasn't a speech, but it was a good enough presentation or interaction that uh, I'm hoping that 
uh, it will, uh, uh, I mean, not exactly go viral, but will be an enjoyable enough thing to see for people that it will, uh, you know, remind people that I'm not nutty, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, that I'm, I'm friendly and knowledgeable and, and, you know, admit when I have not given a perfect answer and, and promise to follow up and so on, right? That that I know my stuff, that yeah, I don't need to take risks. And, sorry? I was just going to say all that, those those little things I noticed, um, which which I thought were really good and are going to have a huge effect on how people, uh, you know, what what they've heard is not what, might not be accurate so they'll they'll go check it out they'll be curious you know because their experience of you is totally different as i saw it the speech was was half about teaching and half about selling yourself so that you could continue to teach later yeah i mean selling myself i hadn't really thought of it that way but uh because but but really just being myself right Oh, that's a form of selling yourself. It's an honest form of selling yourself. That may be semantics, but yeah, okay. I mean, I definitely wanted to be up there and I didn't want to be a different person, you know, because I talk a lot about authenticity and self-confidence and, and, and so on and treat people the best you can the first time you, you deal with them, right? So I wanted to put, you know, I, I wanted to put all of those principles and, you know, maintain all of those principles even in a high-stakes poker game like high wire act like this one as opposed to when I'm just doing a podcast of any kind. So, cause it would have been kind of, I think kind of weird if I'd been all kinds of tough and strong and, you know, in podcasts and then got up there and stammered and blinked and looked at my feet and so on. I think it would have been tough for you guys if I'd have done that. And I was fairly conscious of that as well. Uh, I, I was about to say, you know, uh, live approved and so probably get more invitations to other similar events. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I, I, I think that I should, but I don't know that I will, if that makes any sense. Uh, no. Well, what, what are your guys' predictions? I mean, you guys know this community, I think, better than I do. What, what are your predictions? I don't think there are too many other events of a similar nature that you can be invited to. There are lots of political action events. There are a lot of issue events, but most of those are within the framework of statism. In terms of a forum that's actually open to the complete exploration of libertarian philosophy down to anarchy, uh, Liberty Forum is definitely the biggest and best and, and possibly close to unique. Most of the other events are more the probably the traditional conservatism ones or a libertarian party get together. Mostly probably not the kind of stuff you're particularly interested in. <clears throat> Uh, what about, about Porkfest? Or I don't know what, what, what else is, but I, I was under the impression that there are some other events in a similar concept. Uh, Porkfest is a blast, but it's kind of an open house for the Free State Project to come check it out if you want to move. Less on the philosophy side. That's the purpose of the, the Liberty Forum. Yeah, I mean, there could be crossover potential if the video is... is is popular and people find out, like, I'm an, I'm an atheist, then, I mean, there's a lot more atheist gatherings than there are anarchist gatherings. But uh, that would require a bit of cross-pollination, so we'll see. Can, can I ask a bit of a tangential question? Um, Never stick to the script. Group? Uh, Sorry, I, go on. <laughs> I, I won't go too far off on this. Um, but but I was just curious what um, 
for everyone on this call what what their emotional experience of the, of this conference was at first. Sorry, when, when you first say the joined. conference, you mean this conference, the, the this call today? This tele. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, this this Skype call. Yeah, this Skype call. Um, especially, uh, I'm mostly curious about uh, um, Nate and Lauren. Um, well, I, I could say that I felt, um, let's see my, at first I think I just felt anxious and then sort of like just something wasn't being said or something was missing. I, I don't know what it was. Was, would that be what you were feeling? Something was um, wrong or off. Yeah, something was definitely off, and I think I have an idea what it was, but I'm just sort of probing for general experiences at the moment. Oh, I was just uh, curious. That's why I was here. Okay. Well, the, the the observation that I have is this. Um, it it was pretty much right out of the right as the call began. Uh, most of the questions directed towards Steph were critical in some way of him, and now as we've gotten about forty five or forty six minutes into the call, they tend to be much more. The questions tend to be much more positive of him, and I'm just trying to understand what the difference is. He's very charming. <laughs> well, I, I uh, well, just starting off, I know that I was, I, I, I think I know. I mean, I was was my feedback positive? Just like when I first um, made my initial feedback before before I talked about what the little part that bugged me um just before that um i i don't i th i think my my feedback was positive I, i'm not sure was that y'all's experience or well well what i what i felt was some irritation myself some annoyance um kind of the thoughts that were coming up were um um, the, the the first thing you have to say about this was that he wasn't ideologically pure enough for you, you know. What's up with that? Um, and I don't know if that's fair criticism of you. It's just the thought that that occurred to me. So, well, it was it was something that he said that that um, I couldn't remember. So it, <laughs> I was kind of more hoping that he remembered what what he said, but. It was a caveat that was thrown in there that I thought would was the exact opposite, or or it was just something that that bugged me. But that was the only that was the only feedback I had besides. I mean, that was the only slightly negative feedback that I had, and I, right, I don't but, know but you were, that I could have done differently. You you weren't the only one with that criticism though. 
So I, I was wondering if there was some sort of general, like, if the anxiety is somehow more universal around this subject for some reason. Uh, Lauren had a similar criticism, right? That, right, but uh, he explained, and it made a whole lot of sense the, that that um, I mean, just to me, this reasoning after after I made that little bit of, of criticism that um, his reasoning for why he didn't want to launch into it just you know it made all the sense in the world, and in fact, it was probably it was it was way better than I would have ever handled it. And it's just, you know, I, you know, I totally withdraw any criticism I have because I think he, he. No, uh, I, I don't mean it. I don't mean it that way either. Like, how dare you, or anything like that. I'm just trying to understand what was going on. In in that moment, right? Because, um, it it just seemed to me that, and again, this just could be my own set of conclusions that I've come to, but it just seemed to me like um, it, it just seemed kind of cruel to say to him, well, you were standing in front of 250 people that you had no idea whether they were going to be completely hostile or completely friendly, so why didn't you launch into a full-on smack-in-the-face, uh, don't-beat-your-children you evil bastards kind of speech, right? I think you might be mischaracterizing that a little bit, but yeah, <laughs> you might be hyperboling just a little bit. But no, I know what you mean. Look, it's, yeah, it's FDR, and, and it's probably not particular to FDR, but, you know, people, uh, uh, people have a tough time with praise here, right? That's true. Right. I mean, I've had the same experience with with books um, and uh, it's, you know, it's it's tough for people to to express enthusiasm. Right. I mean, I don't know what you all felt when you were listening to the speech, but I hope it was some sort of relief, pride, excitement, enthusiasm and so on, because if it wasn't, then I think that's a shame. Right. Because I think that there was a lot to be happy about in the speech and in the reception and in the positivity. You know, the, the organizer came up and said that that he expected a lot, but it was much, much better even than he expected uh, and uh, and so on. Right. So I think that that we have a uh, a very good. You know, it was a very good and positive response. It was, you know, everybody was laughing and enjoying themselves. And yet the it didn't get goofy like the intellectual quality didn't diminish, uh, at least I think. And um, I think it was a it was a it was a, a home run for the community, in my in my opinion. And I, I mean, I think there's a lot to be enthusiastic and happy about. But I also know that enthusiasm and happiness can be can be challenging for people. Right. So that's my, uh, uh, you know, my two cents worth. I mean, I don't think it's particular to to Nate. I just think it's tough for people to. To say, you know, I was jumping up and down with excitement, realizing uh, that we crossed a real milestone here as a community, uh, and that's that's just tough for people, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think no, that's I, accurate I, for for how. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree, and I, I I apologize for picking on you specifically, Nate. But you you were the guy that spoke up. So right, <laughs> sorry about I, that, but. I but didn't want to just leave out the the five, what, like, was no more than maybe ten seconds of the whole speech that I was I felt, um, 
bugged or worried about or just, you know, uh, until it was explained. And, and now, now I no longer feel bugged about it. In fact, I'm, I'm quite enthusiastic about that part, too. So it's just like, um, I guess I just wanted to be honest and maybe I just wanted to go into that comp- that part and, and get an, get it. I mean, maybe I could have sat there for, you know, five seconds and thought it out myself and figured out, well, you know, why would you want to do that in front of these gun toting, you know, conservatives and be attacked, you know, which maybe I just sort of, um, wanted more, um, something from that. I, I don't know what. But see, but, I mean, Point sorry, comparison. Nate. I mean, I, th- I mean, I think it's an interesting question that that Greg Greg's bringing up, and I think it has to do with, you know, happiness and satisfaction more than anything else. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Like, I, I think that there was a lot to be happy about. For me, I mean, I think there was a lot to be happy about what happened in uh, in New Hampshire. Yeah, and I th- I think that's that. I, I mean, Greg, tell me if that's way off, right? But I think that's sort of what what Greg's talking about. You know that that you know we kind of had a home run, and it's not just me, right? I mean, the quality of what I did in New Hampshire is the result of the quality of listener conversations that I've had over the past three years, right? Well, I, my I experience. I'm a scared of that. Sorry, I just, I think I'm a little scared of that. You're scared of what? Um. I want to say if it was an overwhelming success and everybody likes you and you get this huge spike in web hits and then they start going through the podcast and um, maybe it's just afraid of what would happen. Right. So if we fail, that's bad. But if we succeed, that's bad. Yeah, that's a bad. I'm trying to think where, where the good is. I mean, if we hold, like, you just don't move or something, it's like complete stasis <laughs> right. is good. And the other thing, true, I, I think that's important as well is that nobody get nobody there gave a rat's ass about the media stuff at all. I mean, most of them had never even heard of it, except the Free Talk Live guys who were rapidly jealous of it and wanted to know how they could achieve the same thing. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. How did you do it? How did you get all this level of interest? How do you make us right? help us? Right. Well, just say a lot of things that you know people don't want to hear. Well, just you know, kick over the rock of the family and stand back, right? It's, uh, you probably can't hear that because I muted my mic. But there were many points in this call where I just had to literally laugh out loudly. It's <laughs> in what way? Um. <laughs> I'm just amazed at some of the statements and this uh, how did you do that how did you get this, this media attention is uh, it's it's pretty funny in a weird way I think oh yeah it was it was for sure I mean uh, so so you know it's 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 uh, you know I think it's shown that the media stuff uh, has had not only no effect but uh, in in many ways a positive effect uh, on uh on FDR, I mean, isn't that a huge relief, right? That they fired all the cannons they could possibly fire, and uh, it just bounced right off our hull, right? <laughs> I think that's good, good news, right? Um, yeah, and I haven't heard anything about Limey or anything lately. It's other than that premium podcast you did, but other than that, that's 
Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all you know, the, the media is in its ADHD way. It's just moved on to some other new victim, right? I mean, so, but, but I mean, you know, full cannons, right? And uh, I think that um, uh, this is another thing, too. Again, there was nothing fake about it, but I wanted people to sort of understand that, uh, you know, I'm driving down with my family. I'm a new dad. Uh, my wife is there supporting me. My baby is there drooling. And, uh, you know, I'm happy and positive and friendly and excited. And, you know, it hasn't done me any any lasting harm. And uh, it's, uh, you know, so so that hasn't done anything to sink us. Um, I think that this uh, I think the video more so than the audio, because I think you have to I think I think this is a speech you have to see. And I know that uh, Greg is is uh, very kindly working on. Uh, a video that we have, and and I'm waiting for a, another listener who did a side view. Maybe we can put some two together. But I think if we do a good job on this video, this could be the kind of video that people like to watch, even if they're not because I think it's just a good example of fun public speaking. Whether you know, if if you've got somebody enthusiastic and happy about almost any topic, it's worth uh, watching. And uh, I think that um, you know the happiness for those who weren't there. You can hear it, obviously, to some degree in the audio. But in the video, you'll see it. Right? I'm dancing around the stage. I'm making pendulums. I'm pretending to have a shiv on my leg. You know, I'm just doing a lot of very animated stuff because that's what I do. Right? <laughs> this is not anything particular new. But I wanted to make sure that I carried that same enthusiasm and positivity into this challenging situation. So I think it's uh, you know. Could, it couldn't be better news, in my opinion. I'm very glad that uh, I took the uh, the gig. Uh, I'm very glad. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic with the way that it went. And um, I think it would be really hard for people to believe all the trashy junk that floats around, you know, when they see that kind of stuff going on. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I was quite nervous at first, but uh, since... Um, like right after the speech, I just felt, I mean, this is the first time in my memory, um, and maybe Steph, you can think of some other examples that I'm not remembering right now, but this is the first time in my memory that I could think of that I haven't wanted to stop you and correct you or or complain about something that went wrong. You know, this is, uh, I just felt so like, like you said, it was like a home run that you just pounded it right out of the park it's just there there was nothing bad about what went on there right i mean it couldn't it couldn't have gone better in my opinion right i mean the only reason that we stopped was because there was a hard stop we had to get out of the room uh, otherwise we would have gone another hour easy peasy oh yeah i mean people were hanging on to the edge of their seat it was amazing to me i mean to, the the room was capable of i think what 200 or 225 total seats and there were people standing on the walls and everyone was there almost right up to the end like the people were standing there for an hour and 20 minutes listening to you and watching this and not at all thinking about leaving and we right? had uh, i That's mean we, we didn't have enough time for everyone who had questions yeah, people were still raising their hands and and wanting to talk when the whole when the hotel was telling the organizer, "You guys got to get out." You know? By the way, I think it was four hundred people. Uh, four hundred people at the uh, in the room. Yeah, Ron Paul had six hundred, and you had two thirds of the of the same ballroom. So I would say four hundred. That certainly wouldn't shock me. It did it did look pretty crowded from where I was, and of course, I've never done anything even remotely close to that, even in the business world, right? My presentations in the business world are like half a dozen people, right? So, 
Uh, so, it, I mean, it was such a, a, a different thing for me to do that um, realizing just how natural and easy it, uh, it came, uh, it's, it's just a complete high to me. You know, it's just, uh, you know, when you, when you are concerned about something and you, you know, obviously I didn't prepare for this in any particular way other than doing what I'm doing. But it's, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's a fantastic, it's a, it's a complete thrill. And um, uh, I think that it's, uh, uh, it couldn't be better, right? And, and that's sort of what I'm trying to get across. Not, you know, ooh, look what, a good, look what a good job I did or whatever. But I think that we have a lot to be happy about uh, who are interested in philosophy, right? Because this is, uh, this is what it's about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about... As I said in the um, uh, talk I gave way back on public speaking, I'm just there trying to introduce an idea to people. It's not about me. It's really whatever I can use to engage people in the idea. And the idea went across well. And uh, there were great questions. Uh, and, uh, you know, I uh, did, you know, gave some fairly good answers. And, but, you know, rather than the quality of the answers, really, it was just the engagement of the interaction, I think, that was new. And I think it's a, certainly it's a higher standard for me than anything I've done before. Uh, and uh, I just think there's a lot to be happy about. Um, and I, I think it's worth, I don't know, taking that and, and enjoying it, if that makes sense. I'm wondering about, did you have a different experience with the younger crowd, say under 25 versus the older? You mentioned this during the dinner that you saw perhaps a split in terms of the adoption of anarcho-capitalism. How it's more popular among the younger crowd, and I confirmed that during dinner. Oh yeah, yeah. So I was wondering, absolutely, you felt they were more sane or more interested. Well, I think that, um, yeah. I, I said again, this is all nonsense, right? Because it's just completely unscientific, unstudied, non-statistical opinion. But uh, oh yeah, for sure, there there were uh, the the younger people were more lively, more curious, more engaged, and. Uh, less, uh, you know, we, we need to fight to restore the old republic with Yoda kind of thing. Uh, and uh, that, I thought, was, was very encouraging. That's the big split I see. Yeah. And it gives me hope. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, new ideas uh, often take an, an, another generation, right? How, how do you square that with uh, the YouTube viewership, though? Because the viewership on YouTube is quite different. I couldn't tell you. I, I couldn't tell you for the life of me. It's, it's possible the YouTube viewership is across the board. Or lying. In that age right. range. Right. Uh, or, uh, um, or it could be that the YouTube viewership is skewed by some of the true news stuff, which appeals to uh, more uh, of the status minarchists, I think. Because mm. it's not pro-anarchy, it's anti-state, the, the true news stuff, right? So it probably gets wider circulation. Right. Right, and and it tends to be much older crowd there too. Yeah, I mean, it could just also be that older people don't know how to work podcasts. I don't know. It could be that. That <laughs> could be right. 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 When can we expect a new book? Oh, it's uh, it's uh, it's lying fallow at the moment. Um, so uh, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, definitely, the first draft is done. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's still going to be a while. So I, I wish I could give you a date at the moment, but uh, uh, I can't. This uh, this certainly knocked me out for quite a while. This uh, conference, not not so much the preparation, just you know, as a lot of travel, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stuff that I had to do that that uh, it took took me away from everything else. 
did you want help or, or? No, I think that's okay. I mean, basically, what what needs to be done is is a bunch of empirical research and insertion uh, to bolster the case. So that's just going to be time consuming. The fun stuff is done, and now I just have to do the book's taxes, so to speak. And uh, so <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, not drawing me the way that the first draft does. I can't wait. Do you know any of the questions that you were getting that weren't asked here? You said you were getting a lot of questions. I don't know. Oh, what it was just were. it was just people were just asking what my experience. I was just getting emails and and messages on the board, just oh. saying what my experience was. And you know, my experience was uh, was that I'm a way better speaker in front of more people. I'd love to do ten thousand or twenty thousand or a hundred thousand. Uh, that uh, I I surf the audience like. Uh, <laughs> Like a surfer, dude. I guess right. And uh, bigger surf is is better speech, right? So, uh, and I remember Freddie Mercury, uh, who of course is my model for public speaking. Um, he said that uh, I only sing as well as the audience wants me to, and I think I think there's some real truth in that. And and that's a complicated thing to I just sort of touch on it, but um, I can only be as good as the audience. The bigger the audience, the more energy uh, flows back and forth, uh, and. Uh, uh, it's t- you, you couldn't get that kind of energy and humor in a room full of eight people or ten people as I've done before. So uh, I thought that uh, the bigger the bigger the crowd, the greater the contact high, so to speak. And uh, this is true even if we don't count the agorists who with whom contact high actually just comes from a handshake. But um, uh, yeah, so I was I was just completely <laughs> thrilled to 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 go to that level. And I just that people were sort of asking me what my experience was and. Uh, I achieved uh, everything that I wanted to achieve in taking on that gig and going down and, and more. So um, all, all the better. And thanks again, Greg, your, your second over the recording that you did um, with your, um, your portable was uh, 10 times mm-hmm. better than the one that came off the video So and the one that the other guy put out. So thank you again so much for that. Yeah, the, the Ederol is I'm, – I'm loving that thing. It's, it's, I've figured out the, the, the exact uh, – settings it needs to be on to get a good good sound. I don't know if you guys heard the podcast I just put it out earlier today relative to the original recording. Uh, yeah, I heard a little bit of it. I went back over it for a second. It, it does sound a lot better, right? That wasn't just my imagination. Yeah. No. No, it sounds a ton better. It's like night and day. Yeah, it really is. So thanks again, Greg. That was just great. Quite welcome. Quite welcome. And the photos actually are quite I nice as well. This- Oh yeah, oh yeah. The ones you were showing me on uh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are cool. Yeah, Th- this could just be um, you know residue from my own exuberance or enthusiasm from that presentation. But um, um, I definitely got the sense that uh, they wanted to ask you back. Oh yeah, no, I'm sure of that. And I got some requests from the other speakers to help them out with their causes and so on. So. Oh yeah, I mean there was no question that everyone recognized that something pretty pretty cool had happened. And again, this is not—I'm uh, not sort of you know dancing up and down pointing at myself because it really was the audience as a whole and their openness and receptivity to uh, to what I was doing that made it possible. But I think everyone yeah, kind of got that something kind of really cool and fun had had happened. That 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 receptivity really just blew me away. I I wasn't expecting that at all. Well, I've always said that 
people don't have like people who aren't philosophers or who've studied philosophy, they don't have an objective standard to judge you by. They will generally judge you according to how you judge yourself. That's that's makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, when I'm up there, you know, friendly and positive and happy, uh, making jokes, being open, letting them, you know, tell, telling them when I don't have a great answer, giving them the compliments that are just like great question, fantastically done. Um, then they will judge me according to how I'm judging myself, which is that it's not an ego driven thing for me. I'm trying to do my best to keep people enthusiastic and excited about ideas. I'm trying to give them tools to win arguments and reminding them of the, you know, the, this is why I started off with the moral superhero stuff, right? I mean, I know that there are a fair amount of comic book aficionados there because everybody was arranging to go and see the Watchmen, right? <laughs> so, yeah. right? So I think starting off by calling them superheroes, which I genuinely believe, right, uh, is, is a good way to, to connect with them and to remind them that I may be bald, but I have at least one hip. Right. It's not gratuitous. Um, it's just uh, an acknowledgement, right? It's, right. It's, and it places what can... they're doing in a moral context, right? That the, you go and watch a movie called The Watchmen and that's great. But, you know, the real superhero stuff is, is fighting the state and uh, reminding them of that moral yeah. crusade uh, is uh, you know, very complimentary and positive to them and puts the struggles, their struggles, uh, hopefully into a larger context, if that makes sense. Right. And, and it aligns them with you. Yeah, because I mean, that's certainly, you know, I, I view us as superheroes, so uh, it makes good sense to me that... Right, just to, just in terms of the moral struggle, too, because uh, putting it the way you did, you, you, you were basically telling them we're all on the same team here, right? Yes, well, absolutely. And, you know, I, I got asked a bunch of questions about... I did a, uh, a, um, a conference uh, table thing, like a... I don't know what you'd call it, but Ian and... Ian from Free Talk Live and Mark Stevens and myself sat down to do a... Uh, and a, and a, I think, a which? And a panel discussion. Or yeah, a panel discussion or whatever. And, um, you know, people asking me about politics and what I thought of politics. And the thing is, like, I've already made my case for all of that stuff. I'm not going to sit there and pound the case in again. I mean, if they want me to ask about... They want my, question, my thoughts about what's positive about the New State Project. Well, it's great to have in everyone who believes what you believe in the same place it gives you a lot of strength right? I was using this metaphor it's like uh, you know the Verizon guy with the network behind him you just feel a lot more confident when <laughs> you're not the only crazy guy on the block right so uh, so yeah talking yeah, about positive stuff you like actually that, use great. that same metaphor I'm sorry I said you actually use that same metaphor in fact oh in the speech right yeah no it came to me in the panel and I hope that will uh, uh, come out I'm not sure where that's gonna end up I don't know where all the video is I uh, emailed uh, Chris uh, about uh, where the video might be, but haven't heard back from him yet, so we'll see. Because they had some pretty amazing <laughs> high-def uh, phantasmagorical uh, cameras with like unidirectional boom mics and stuff like that. So I bet you their stuff's going to be really high quality, I hope. And I offered to Chris, I said, look, my I have one of the few YouTube accounts that's grandfathered in with unlimited video length and up to a terabyte of video size so i'd be happy to host if you want high def but uh, anyway they don't have to split it into 50 segments right 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 they may host it elsewhere on their own anyway yeah they might for sure but they'll they'll pay in bandwidth and blood if they don't use something like youtube for sure but yeah they may for sure and it doesn't matter to me whether people come to my 
uh, site or somewhere else. I just want people to see the, a, a good quality video of the event. Right, right, right. All right. Well, did anyone else have any other questions or comments or suggestions? That was it for me. Um, what yeah. did Isabella think of the conference? She saw most of uh, she saw most of my speech. She missed about half an hour, I think, but she saw she saw most of it. Um, it frankly, it, it put her to sleep in a way that. That only daddy's dulcet tones, frankly, can. But she learned that from her mother. <laughs> oh, by the way, she bottle fed, finally, which is just fantastic. Sorry, really dull dad stuff, uh, 107, but uh, uh, she she's finally is taking the bottle. Uh, we just found that uh, she prefers the 20-year-old scotch, the 11-year-old stuff. Uh, she just spits up. <laughs> oh, it is huge, though. What a relief. Because now uh, I can take a night feeding and Christina can get some sleep. Because I'm up till usually till 2 anyway. So at least if Christina goes to bed to 10, I can take a night feed and give Christina that much more sleep. So it's great that she's taking the bottle. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So you're taking the night feed, she's taking the bottle. <laughs> Going to be some sweet sounds coming down on the night feed. So expect to see you on the chat room at three in the morning. Yeah, hi. Google, Google. Yeah. <laughs> well, she. When I say take the bottle, what I mean is that she turns into the kind of fountain you see in front of Disney World, and I have to mop up the couch <laughs> because it's you know fair amount goes in and some of it not so much. But uh, you know, basically, what she's doing is a whole series of extended Seinfeld spit takes. <laughs> you did what? <laughs> you know that kind of stuff, right? So, what's this? Um, how she? Wait, how long has it been? How old is she? She is eleven and a half weeks. Eleven and a half weeks. So that's. Um, well, she'll be three months on the nineteenth. So. Almost three months. So, what's the um, recommended amount of time on the breast? Isn't there like something about like eight months? It means it's like really good for. Um, at least six. At least six. Right. Right. First six yeah, months. Yeah, I heard just something breast. about it. Yeah, first six months just breast, just like our marriage. <laughs> you can continue breastfeeding up to two years. It's recommended to breastfeed up to two years, but supplemented with uh, uh, Indian curries. <laughs> something really Up to two years. Yeah, you can. Up to two years is recommended because. Uh, the one thing that's amazing about breast milk, and it is an incredible substance, the one thing that's amazing about breast milk is the degree to which it supplements uh, a baby and a toddler's immune system. Because uh, she is getting all of Christina's antibodies into uh, through through the breast milk into her immune system, which you know, there's, there's no possible way to, to get in any other form. So she is that much healthier. And now by the time she's two, then she will have had all of her immunizations. She will have had her immune system bolstered by Christina's immune system. And then she can sail without it. But, yeah, the longer you can go, the better. I mean, she hasn't been, wow. she's I not been no sick idea. yet. Right? I mean, we have an almost 12-week-old baby that's never had a cold. And both you and I have had a cold. So uh, it's really remarkable. Yeah, and I, I, I was... Um, yeah, that was my, my next question, but I, I was thinking, you know, that 
that um, this is very much, you know, the, uh, how how closely related the immune system and, and the nervous system is and how if you're stressed and anxious for any period of time, like a lot of babies end up being due to bad parents, then they're going to be sick more often. And Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, it's, uh, she, she's, uh, she's incredibly robust. I mean, she's not had a single health issue. Uh, her development is perfectly, uh, going along. Uh, and, uh, she's, uh, yeah, she's meeting all her milestones. She's still barely cries. I mean, I, Christina uh, finally went back to the uh, gym today and, uh, I, I was with Isabella for like 40 minutes upstairs, just showing her around. Then this is a completely new environment. And uh, I guess those who met her at uh, in New Hampshire saw that she was, you know, perfectly content and, you know, didn't cry and curious with new people. I mean, she's just she's just fantastic. I mean, we were just so lucky uh, to have such a wonderful wow. kid. And, I mean, obviously it has something to do with our parenting, but uh, yeah, I think it's, so. uh, it's just wonderful. And, and it was just, oh, God, it's completely heartbreaking because – you know, she doesn't see, see that many people, right? And um, uh, just wonderful to see when people would come up to smile at her, that she'd smile back and, and these big eyes, you know, curious and wondering. And, oh, it's just, you know, I just I just want the world to treat her so well, you know, because she's such a, a wonderful human being. And uh, it's just, it was great to see the effect that she had on people and the effect that people had on her and how calm and relaxed and happy she was, even with the 14-hour drive and so on. Uh, it's... She just she managed it beautifully, better than me. I think I got crankier towards the end than she did, but then she has diapers and I just peed my seat, which was tough because with the seat warmer on, you get these little shocks. Actually, those were fun. But, um, yeah, so she... Now, this is all the empirical evidence that, I, that I, you know, to prove that, that all this... That we're headed in the right direction and... Um, you know, I'll, I'll be fully convinced when she's lifting cars and flying, but, uh, <laughs> well, that, that sounds like your criteria for happiness there, Nate, you know, <laughs> and then anxious that she's got radiation well, poisoning, right? right. Uh, you're probably, you're probably aware what happened to the kids of, of Mr. Mr. Friedman and to the kid of his kid, but, um, out of curiosity, uh, do you speak, uh, this baby baby language with her or do you speak in a normal language oh we, we speak in normal language i mean we will pitch her voice usually a little bit higher because her hearing is more attuned to the high registers and i'll sing uncomfortably high <laughs> to keep her happy or at least relatively happy now i don't speak to her in the same way that i'm speaking to you but uh, i certainly don't you know do goo goo gaga kind of stuff uh, i mean i will speak to her uh, but not uh, not in a, not in a normal tone but in a sort of more uh, tenor falsetto tone. Um, uh, to my limited knowledge, I, I think that's, that's that's better. But I only witnessed that with with one pair of parents, and it was a bit surprising because I never saw that before. But uh, uh, I, I think it's way better to to just speak normally, even even if she might not understand everything. Right it's away. sorry, Christina wanted to say. Yeah, actually, it, it's because children respond to uh, inflections and uh, changes in tone. So that's why, I mean, what comes naturally to people is to talk to children in a really kind of cutesy way. But that's that's sort of biologically programmed. Children respond to that, and she needs to hear the different tones. And she can make things out um, by the tones in our voices more change. so than the word. Yeah, the change in tone more so than um, more so than the words that we say. She doesn't obviously understand the words we're saying. Yeah, and there, there's that aspect um, for sure, uh, and uh, she she can't know when we're 
so children see things need to see things a little more exaggerated so definitely the up and down inflection of the voice is more important i'll give her a bigger smile than i'll give christina because her vision is less acute she doesn't get her adult quote adult vision for another another few weeks from here and then so so she can't see very well and her hearing is still a bit muted so she needs like children need brighter colors they are babies need infants they need brighter colors they need bigger smiles they need more altering in inflection to get the same response that they would that, that we would get with something less uh, less uh, contrasting if that makes sense and that's just adapting to what she can see and hear and I mean I'll smile at her until she smiles back right I want to just sort of give her a little smile the way I would with Christina you know a shy ironic smile or something right? I want to give her a big smile until she recognizes it and responds and I let her sort of lead as far as that goes isn't it also the case that um, uh, babies that small can hear better in higher register yes for sure for sure And she's one thing that's really cool. Well, there's many, many things that are really cool. I don't want to bore everyone with all of them. But when I, if I'm singing a song to her now, she shows surprise if if I change something, yeah. right? She's she's understands the patterns now. And if I'll sort of happy birthday, dear Isabella, like if I go that, then she she will actually laugh and notice that as a change. And she won't do that if I don't change the pitch. So uh, that's really, she's really getting that pattern recognition and can notice a distinction in that pattern, which is an incredible thing to do, like 11 weeks out of the womb, in my opinion. I mean, not incredible, like she's the only one who can do it, but it's amazing just how uh, this wiring works and what babies are capable of. Right, being able to actually see the, uh, see the, see the, uh, the, the development on the fly like that. That's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, just from the pictures alone, it was kind of cool to watch the progression in in the the control of the musculature and the facial features. You know, cause at first it was just sort of that blank, wide-eyed stare, and now you can see where she has control over, you know, like her forehead muscles and you can see it in her cheeks a little bit too and, oh, and around yeah. the eyes and that. Yeah, it's it's so much easier to know what she wants now because I can tell when she's angry. Uh, I can tell when she's frustrated. I can tell when she's uh, hungry uh, and I can tell when she's happy, right? Because before she only had the cry and the facial muscles weren't really doing much other than crying or not. But now she has uh, like distinct feelings and differentiation that that mirror uh, her her facial expressions, which is, I mean, amazing, right? I mean, it's it's a whole language that she's developed innately, um, I guess, or innately or out of mirroring us. Innately, that that really is an incredible boon to to understanding what she's going through and what she needs. All right. Well, rather than bore everyone with <coughs> parental gushing, uh, is there anything else that anybody wanted to to add to this? Just uh, thanks for calling me. Oh, thanks. And was that was that over? Yes. And I think you are the the man to thank. Is is that not right? Uh, in what sense? Was it you who uh, had originally talked to uh, uh, Chris about me doing a speech? Uh, I don't know if I was the first, but I definitely was possibly the most excited. Well, I mean, 
I, I really, really, really thank you uh, hugely and appreciate what you had done. Um, I hadn't obviously thought uh, about putting myself forward. To, I didn't even, knew, even know these things were going on. And I hadn't thought about putting myself forward for it. Um, but uh, I really, really do appreciate uh, you communicating with them and your enthusiasm about it. And it really was really cool to see so many FDR listeners there who were happy and excited to talk to me or, or um, to, to see the speech. So I really, really appreciate that. It's nothing that I had really thought of, or, or, and I'm, but I'm really, really glad that you, you pushed for it, and I'm really glad that I did it, and I hope that uh, it worked out the way you hoped. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, extremely pleased. And it sounds corny, but honestly, this is one of the few cases where I can say my reward was that you accepted and came. And and it didn't That's suck, right? <laughs> and it didn't suck. It didn't suck. That's always important. Well, yeah. So so thank you. Uh, I really do appreciate it. This is a, an example of how I'm only part of of the conversation moving forward. Because I mean, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have thought about it. But uh, you and uh, maybe a couple other people who pushed for it uh, really did. Uh, I think make a big difference uh, in in what we're doing. So so thank you so much for that. And, and I'm thrilled you got the closing spot. Yeah, I didn't expect that. I I thought you know maybe one room off by lunch, you know, in there where people put their trays away, you can go and listen to FDR. But uh, no, it was uh, it was really quite a quite a thing. I mean, uh, I can't remember if I mentioned this. Uh, I don't think I did in the speech, but part part of my intro was going to be, okay, so two years ago, it's John Stossel. A year ago, it's Ron Paul. Who the hell is this guy? <laughs> I mean, are we that desperate um, that we have to get a podcaster of all people? But I don't think I did mention that, but that was certainly going to be one of my intros. But uh, it really was uh, August company to be keeping in terms of uh, exposure. So uh, thanks again so much for what you did to make that happen. Uh, I think Chris Lawless is probably a fan. Uh, he wasn't before that's he'd a, heard about it because uh, as, as far as he told me, he heard, you know, a bunch of people wanted to want me to be there. So he went and watched a video tour and he was like, yeah, looks all right. <laughs> looks good. He didn't even know oh. about any of the controversy or anything like that. So, I mean, it was, uh, I don't think he was a fan before, but I think he's, uh, he's listening now. Cool. All right. So thanks again. Well, thanks everyone. I do appreciate that. Uh, and, um, uh, have yourselves a great uh, week. Um, there may be a couple of other listener calls this week, but, uh, I guess if not, we'll talk to you, uh, on Sunday. 99 stuff. Bye.